Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 79. So, Ben, I have a little bit of a businessy topic for you today. Ah, uh, my favorite topic, Jelly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's got a lot to do with development, and I had this conversation with, uh, I've had this conversation with a couple of people in the past, and it's always kind of surprised me how kind of relevant it is. Yeah. And it's this concept of wearing different hats. So, it's the sort of thing where, like, as a developer, you will typically be involved with people or, you know, play different roles. There's different roles that go into creating apps to making to making apps. You're obviously, there's, you know, the developer role. Mm-hmm. That's a hat that you have to wear. There's the designer role, and that's a hat that somebody usually wears. Mm-hmm. But it kind of goes further than that as well. Like those those are kind of the two main ones that people think of. But there are other ones that are involved. And there's things like the client, the user. They they're all these are all kind of different hats that you have to wear when you're developing an app. Yeah, definitely. And I mean it, it can depend on the team that you're working with as well. Some people like some teams will be large enough where everyone only wears one hat. And I've worked in teams where that's the case, um, in the public service. I was a front-end developer in the public service, so I worked with JavaScript mm-hmm. mostly and you know HTML, CSS stuff, and that was my job. I didn't touch any back-end stuff. I didn't do any sort of business analyzing, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, which is a thing. Uh, I, just, I just wrote my code and went home and maybe watched a cat video here and there. Mm. So I want to I know, like, you work at Stripey Sock with previous host... Jake. Sure do. Hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. Uh, and you, you're kind of working in a small team. Yeah, we're um, four at the moment. Yeah. And you've got, you've, you do client work. Mm-hmm. So what's, what is it like working there? Like what sort of kind of roles do you end up playing? All of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I do in my day to day, kind of everything you would expect goes with a client service firm, I guess. We call ourselves an agency. Yep. So I develop apps. And I'm the only one who does Android. So anything Android that comes in, I do. Obviously, I also do some iOS, but it has to overflow. As we get bigger, it has to overflow more and more to make it onto my desk, yep. if you get what I mean. Yep. And so that's the obvious stuff. But there's so much more that goes into running a company. So I also do all the finance, which as we get bigger, becomes more and more of a, a thing. So you've got to manage payroll and you've got to worry about leave balances and all of that fun stuff. Yep. You've got to worry about paying the government on time. So there's a whole pile of things you got to pay for. you got to pay your taxes is one, but there's also like listing fees and stuff. So every year as a company, you just have to pay a fee so that the government knows you exist. It's like you send in some money so they go, oh, yep, <laughs> these guys are sending in money. They must still exist. <laughs> they, they must still be out there. <laughs> um, They've made at least this much money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do that sort of stuff. A lot of client relations. Yep. So go out, have coffees, make new friends, maintain old friends. I do a lot of project management. So all the projects that I work on, I tend to manage myself because I mainly do the Android stuff. They are kind of just me. So I kind of do everything to do with that project unless it's a multi-platform project and then we normally have something more official. Okay. So let's say that you get approached by a client and you, you get put on a, on a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, to build, you've got to build them an app. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of roles do you play during kind of that aspect of your of your job like okay, obviously so you've, you've skipped a step so first we have to win the job right so there's yep there's a thinking phase that goes into it so generally someone comes to you and says 
I want an app and they have various forms that can take, they can have a really solid idea that they just want built or they can just say, I want an app. Yep. Don't know what it is. So you got that phase to go through. Of course. Um, I do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they tend to want to know what it's going to cost. So you've got to go through that phase. You got to price it, write a quote. If you, if it's got something in there that you don't think you have the skills to do, which tends to be for us, the higher level design, a lower level design. Sorry, I got that around the wrong way. So we're pretty good at the UX side of things because, you know, we use apps all day. We tend to know what makes a good app. Sometimes we find it hard to solve a certain problem. We can tell it's wrong and coming up with a solution can be difficult. But overall, we tend to be able to do the high level stuff. It's the low level stuff we need help with, like, come, you know, making assets and yeah, making okay. an app look pretty. Yep. So you got to manage that side of things. So you got to probably work out how much you want to put in a quote to cover the outsourcing cost of that which means going to talk to people and getting them to quote for you, knowing you might not win the job in the first place, which can be like a little hard to do. So you could, I got to wear that hat. And then, yeah, you've got the delivery of said quote and the client relations all around that. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we do after that, which we like to do, but doesn't always happen, is go and talk to users, potential users of said app that this person or client has come up with. Um, sometimes we can't get to those people because the app might be secret, um, but we really like to go through that user discovery phase and they always have heaps of ideas about what they'd want to see and we sit down and work out do those align with our original goals basically so i've got to wear that hat and then after that you've got like the the project management hat which we already kind of talked about so you got to decide who's going to do the work do you need more than one person how's it fit in with our other jobs okay yeah that's a lot of hats oh yeah many hats and like the bigger we get the less and less time i spend actually coding stuff so jake spends even less time coding than me because I am the only one who can do Android. If something Android comes in, which is all the time, to be honest, like there's always something Android happening. I have to do it. Yeah. So there's no choice there. Whereas Jake is writing less and less code every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's. I feel like that's the nature of, uh, <laughs> of starting a business. Because, Definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, eventually, when you start one, like it might just be you. Which in the case of Stripey Sock, I guess it was just him. Mm-hmm. Businesses tend to grow kind of underneath that person. Yeah. So you will de- you will start to like get hire people to delegate jobs to, as opposed to like hire people to like take over your uh, like take over the paperwork or whatever. Yeah, and so, so you get depends on removed. the person. Like you know, we have an accountant, yeah. so I manage the day to day finances, but I don't do the tax returns. Mm. We used to try and at least just do the best, but it was just like wasting our time. Like yeah, we I can can, it. can hire an accountant cheaper than it would be to for us to be off a project doing a best. Yeah, so <laughs> best is a yeah. tax return. For- so well, it's 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 a quarterly review of like your. GST tax. Yeah, so which is a sales goods and, tax. Goods and services tax, yeah. Yeah. W- which is kind of Australia specific, but I'm like there are the there are those sort of things. Well, that the you US have to do has anyway. sales tax. Yeah. UK has VAT. It's yeah. like VAT for people in Europe. Yeah, I, I hate doing my best. It's the worst. It's the worst. But I do it all myself. And this is a kind of a situation where it's different because I'm I'm a solo guy. I don't yeah. have like I don't outsource anything. I don't really outsource anything. I do everything in-house. So my, you know, all of my tax stuff gets done by me and it's the, some, it's the sort of thing where I have to, like, I have to wear that hat entirely and some days I just put that hat on and that's my hat today. So another thing we found with outsourcing, I guess, especially around finance, yeah. 
is that's not our area of expertise, right? Like yep. you can try as much as you want to learn the tax code. And I know quite a lot of it, but I know from doing the taxes ourselves, I would work out what I thought the bill would be. And then you give it to an accountant and they come back with what the bill actually is, I guess. Yeah. And it was way cheaper than what I'd come up with because they just know like more things that you can do. Yeah. And so they pay for themselves just in that fact. Yeah. I mean, it, dep- it, 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 it can depend though, because I mean, I had a, I did outsource my bass for quite some time. Yeah. So bass, I guess, is different because there's only so much you can do. Yeah. But I, I did like outsource. In I did out. outsource a lot of that for for quite a while, and we like we got our personal taxes done yeah. by an accountant for a while as well. Eventually, it got to the point where I mean, I don't. I'm not make. I'm not raking in like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I'm yeah. So it's not the sort of thing where well, if I go out and you know spend the money, like sometimes the amount that I get back is not actually going to cover that at all. Totally. Like and personal tax, if you don't have anything complicated. Do it yourself. Yeah. It's so easy. Um, especially in Australia, it's all kind of moving towards like online taxes and stuff like that, which yeah. makes it a lot easier. But even for the bass, like I, I outsourced that for a while and it got to the point where by outsourcing it, I was actually introducing more complexity than I could actually work with. Okay. So I would send all of my stuff to this person to, to deal with. And then I there were at least a couple of quarters where I wouldn't get responses for month as to whether or not it actually been like yeah so submitted and stuff like that that comes from the fact which is actually an advantage that we use tax agents can submit at least in australia any tax return they get longer to do it than yeah, a person doing do. it themselves so we use that yeah like and that's what a lot of companies do you know we owe we're definitely on the owing side of paying tax it's not a refund oh it's easy to do that when you when you're doing client work of course yeah. um so it means we can hold on to that money we've saved up for tax for like an extra nine months or something and it just sits in an account getting interest. Yeah, it's it's just the sort of thing where, uh, I don't know, I'm in all of my aspects, I'm very uh, reluctant to let go of the reins. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a bit of a control freak. You just have to look at like you know my, my reluctance to use external libraries and stuff when I'm coding. So yeah. it's kind of plays into all aspects of my life i don't like like letting go of the tv remote either (laughs) i control the tv remote but to kind of to kind of bring it back to like you know these roles that we play so let's let's kind of get a bit closer to the metal for development work Mm -hmm. um in an average job there's a bunch of different hats that you wear and most of our most of our listeners high listeners will be kind of wearing maybe two or three hats and they might know of people in their team that are wearing you know one or two of the others so what kind of hats do are are involved in any sort of um, particular job one of the things that i've noticed is that there is a there is a clear distinction between a client hat and a user hat and sometimes you'll have Mm -hmm. to wear both and sometimes you'll wear neither and sometimes you'll wear one of them yep everyone always says they are wearing the user hat this is yep. the other thing. Yeah, Everyone always thinks they're wearing the user hat. And most of the time, they aren't. They are wearing the, we'll call it the client hat. It's kind of like the, the self-serving hat. Yeah. So they make decisions which they think are in the user's benefit, which if they thought about it, they would realize they're actually making a decision to benefit themselves that might not actually benefit users. And so you try and point that out. Yeah. But sometimes it's just not worth the worth a hassle yeah mm. so in when you're doing client work it's really obvious right you have a client and they wear the client hat and yes uh typically they've come to you with a job and they've like they've said okay i want this app built 
um, and they will control most of those, like most of the yeah. aspects of how that works. But they're not they're not necessarily the user. They're kind of they are the end point. You have to like the client has to be happy. Probably they have to be happy in like regardless of whether users are happy because they're the ones paying the bills. Yes. Uh, but it's the sort of thing where you have a client and they they will usually say, okay, I want these features, the you know, these features, I want the app to look like this or not look like this, or I don't like what you've done there, let's change that. They're kind of like I guess they're kind of like the decision makers. Yeah. If you're talking about like wearing that hat as a like as a as an indie or as a solo developer, if you're creating your own products, you will tend to wear that hat because you'll be saying like, okay, well, um, I'm going to cut this feature because it's taking too long to build, or I'm going yeah, to right? remove that feature because um, I don't feel I don't like the direction that it's going in. Yeah. Or let's change that button to red because the blue just doesn't really work. You'll make those decisions on your own. And you have to. Yeah. Like, it's all well and good to say I'm all for the users. Yep. But that's just not practical all the time. No. So, sometimes you've got to make the hard decisions. And this is the sort of thing where you, you have to decide to stop going in a direction that could be potentially great for users just because, well, it's going to take us, you know, far too long to go down that path. And it's just not, it's not worth it for the business. It's not worth it for, you know, profits. It's not worth it for other aspects of the thing. And that's where the, I think that's where the client kind of hat sits. Yeah. This actually rings a bell. So we, we have, or we were talking to a potential client recently and they were saying they have a very loyal, but small user base using their current app, Mm -hmm. but their app is very, I guess, power user focused. Like it just is very raw. It presents a whole pile of data. And unless you're like an engineer, basically, you can't understand it. Right. But their small, like early adopter group are engineers. Yeah, yeah. And so they love the app. They, so they love it. Yep. But the company can't grow like that. So they're saying, we know we're going to anger our current user base, but hopefully we'll grow our user base by a hundred times of yeah. happy users. Well, be, and, and not only that, but in the long run, it's better to have like, you know, a hundred thousand potentially happy users over like a hundred exactly. or even even a thousand like really, right. really extremely excited kind of users. Like if your user base grows, it's better for your business. And that's kind of the sort of thing that a client or, you know, that, that sort of hat has to kind of make the decisions on mm. because those, you know, they make those, the, those hard calls that have to be made, that have to be made in any situation. And sometimes they don't make them necessarily right because, uh, you know, that's a really hard kind of yeah, no one hard has a crystal ball to wear, but you, you do the best with what you have. And the other hat, obviously, that we keep mentioning is the user hat because the yeah. users the, the the users get involved. And um, so the question is, like, we all think, like you said, we all think we're wearing the user hat. We we like to think that, yeah, I'm going to make this decision because it's good for you know it's good for this reason. But a lot of the times, yeah. people confuse that with the client. Yeah, definitely hat. I keep saying hat. I feel like I need a different word. No, I like hat. <laughs> hat. Yeah. Okay. So the user hat is confusing because in the end, you're probably not a user right and if you are you're going to be as power user as it comes because you know all the features yeah yeah and so a lot of it is guesswork unless you can do some user testing which always is a good thing the user hat doesn't just involve thinking like a user it's about managing that whole process of getting real users involved or yeah all of that all of that stuff 
yeah, I, I like what I kind of like what you said there about how if you're even if you're using the app, like you're typically going to be a power user because you know all the ins and outs, and you kind of one of the things that I, I, I you, you will find is that if you run across a bug, you will typically like figure out a way to like you know not hit that bug uh, or you know that crash or yeah. whatever, like you because you you you're thinking about it in that kind of like you know other hat role, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so as you, as a user, you will just kind of typically like work around that. And over time, that becomes natural to do. Whether or not it's natural in the beginning, it'll just become habit. Like it'll be the yeah, sort of thing where you kind of tap like, that, like you know, that. <laughs> you, know, you know, not to like tap that button twice or you know pull yeah. that too far or whatever. So you'll kind of avoid that, and it becomes it becomes like natural and habit, and you just you will forget that there was a bug in the first place, and you will just start to just use the app like that because that's how you were using it. So you're not really like even if you are the user, you're not really the yeah. user uh so Definitely. how do you get like so how as like as stripey sock obviously mm-hmm. you you're working with, with four clients but how do you get users in end users involved well so it depends on the client like some clients have users who are very keen to help out yep others are working in complete secrecy so don't want to tell any real user so okay. So let's say that you have you, you have the ability to go. Oh, out. cool! So yeah, we just call them up basically. So or send him an email saying a lot of the time the client does this bit for us and then replies with you can contact these people. Yep. Um, and then we go out and depends on the stage you're at. So if you've got an app already, we just give it to them and give them a task, and we try and come up with tasks that will test something we know is a bit iffy. Like people don't find we are worried people won't find it or something like that. So we'll say. I don't know, just make up an example. Say we were making an app for getting the directions to work or something. We would say, uh, here's an app we've made. We're really excited. Do you want to help us test it out? We just got a few like tasks that we wanted you to try and do. Um, So the first one is open the app and tell us how to get to work via the supermarket because you know it's your turn to buy the milk or something. And you might actually start with an easy one. It just depends um, what stage the app is at. And then you just stand there and watch. Yep. So you you must resist the temptation to go, oh, no, don't do that. Or, yeah, you know, oh, don't tap it like that. Or, oh, just tap that button and you'd be there. Why are you, like, swiping back? That obviously is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, the natural way of things. <laughs> Please hold the phone up the right way. No, that's yeah. never happened. <laughs> yeah. And user testing can be quite scary because, as well, you might have had a client saying, we think this is too confusing. And you're like, nah, you guys are crazy. Like, we are experts. We know what we're talking about. This is totally going to work. And then so you go to the ultimate test, which is the user. Yeah. And they can't find it at all. And the client's just like, "Mm, I told you so. Yep. So that's interesting (laughs) because that kind of of concept means that the user hat is something that you can't, like, as a developer, you can't wear it. No, you can't. You can't be that person. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of trying to think like a user, but you can never see it as... I am the user because you're never going to be able to. Yeah, get I mean, there. there are ways that you can kind of try and put yourself in those shoes, but you'll never be able to without actual like user testing. You'll never be able to kind of actually kind of see it in action. One of the things that I mean, I've been doing with my apps, Gifrap and the Melissa project, which is now no yeah. longer called Melissa, but uh, the app that we talked about uh, a few weeks back. So I, it, you know, I, I decided that I was going to put this app on the store. And so I've been, you know, I spent a little time polishing it and then I stuck, like I stuck it on test flight, which is just kind of an easy way of grabbing a handful of people to, you know, just to try the app. And it was interesting 
I mean, obviously, there's no, like, I can't watch people doing it. I mean, I, I guess I could put, like, a library in and watch people as they use mm-hmm. the app. But, I, I, I mean, I, I don't. And it's, it's interesting because you get, like, I, I would have these questions of, like, that I was like, isn't that really obvious? Like, don't you notice this with other things? One of them being shortcut items, right? So, you know, on uh, the 6S and yep. the 6S Plus, you can uh, 3D touch the, uh, the, the icon on the home screen and it will pop up a little menu. Um, if you have... So, a lot of people were qu- asking the question, uh, why is the list upside down? Mm. And uh, because the list shows in the app, like the whole point of the app is like this list of shortcuts and so the shortcuts show in those shortcut items as well and here's the key if you have the icon close to the bottom of the phone like the the screen oh. the list opens up from the icon if you have the icon in the top part of the screen it opens down now what so apple, it actually reverses that's yeah, dumb what apple has come done, on apple what apple has done is kind of it is, i mean it is kind of smart like it's kind of smart if you think about it I'm thinking, I'm not seeing. So, shortcut items are mostly going to be, like, sorted from, like, the most important Mm. to the least important. If you have shortcut items in a specific order, the most important is always going to show near the icon. So, when the list, when the icon, when the list opens upwards, the most important is next to the icon. So, you don't have to move your finger as far. I can totally see that theory. I just think that theory is (laughs) wrong. Like it is in some cases. I get that is a potential reason that yeah. you would want to minimize thumb travel distance, but I think the overriding, I guess, parameter there is people are used to the most important one being at the top, even if that means their thumb has to go an extra centimeter. I mean, that's very possible. But the other thing is, is you won't ever notice it for most apps because yeah. um, it's not like you have the opportunity to sort those items. Whereas in my app, you do. Because you, if you're sorting those items, you're going to know the order that you put them in. Yeah. And so it's weird when they open upside down. And so these are the sort of questions that, like, I was being asked. And I was like, can't you see? Like, can't you see that? Yeah. So this happens all the time. Yeah. And there is no... The answer to these questions is go do user testing. And that can be expensive. So you want to try and batch these questions. But that is the ultimate... Everyone is guessing. Like, there's no... You can guess from experience, but... Ultimately, it's a guess. Yeah. And I bet Apple did user testing on this and settled on what they did. And I think it's wrong. But like when this happens with clients, I try not to be definite. Like we'd say this is like our hypothesis. Yep. But we would really like to test this with users to find out the actual answer rather than just guessing. And that's a hard thing to to come across because you also have to remember there's like different groups of users. So You'll most of the time have your client saying, no, this is definitely wrong because that's not how I use it. And it's like, well, you might be a minority. Or you could be totally right, but I don't trust you. (laughs) Yeah. We want to do it with your actual users. One we found really interesting was we had to do accessibility testing for an app a while ago. So we actually went to, I forget their name, but the like Institute for the Blind in Canberra and asked if they could help us find blind users to test an app using voiceover and they were totally keen and there were heaps of people that signed up like it was really popular and everyone uses voiceover differently like if you're young you tend to use one method and if you're older you tend to use another method both methods work but like we had to change so many things we were so wrong about so many things because we're not blind we were just guessing yeah like we can use voiceover and go yep cool it works works how we think you would use it 
Um, so for instance, we have a grid, three by two grid. So you got six items there, right? Yep. We thought uses with. Have you ever used voiceover? Do you know how it works? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's a good kind of thing to just run. Yeah, run over an app. So that's what we did. We yeah. had it working. Like it didn't do anything weird. You would it worked like you would expect it to work. Everything had labels and all that yeah. sort of stuff, which is um, you know, the basics. But that three by two grid yep. was not good at all because a lot of people what they do is they're used to table views, and so the first thing they do is run their finger straight down the middle of the screen because they want it to read each item under their finger. Yeah, okay. And so they kind of go down the middle, and they might get you know the first one on the left, the second one on the right. And so they think there's three options there. Yep. And so that was no good at all. Other people didn't have that problem, though, because there's another gesture. I think it's two-finger swipe from the top to the bottom. We'll just read the whole screen. And so they'll do it, and it'll start reading all the items. And then they'll normally go through once and then do it again and then tap when they hear the one they've been looking for. Mm -hmm. So this this is what I mean. Like, everything's a guess until you give it to users to actually test. Yeah, and that's that's completely right. Because, I mean, there are... There are instances where where like things are going to be different um, based on what you understand of your your users. Mm. I've had I've had that situation before where and I I have it all the time and I don't necessarily know that there's like any one particular way of handling all these situations where users will seemingly use the app in a completely different way to the way that I expected them to. Like as an example for gift wrapped, I've had support requests. I get support requests all the time. Uh, I've had ones where it's been like, oh, I use I, the way that I use the app is like this. I get all my gifts out through the photo library. I'm like, how? What? <laughs> <laughs> like that's the worst way that you can use the app. What are you doing? Yeah. I uh, but that that's completely valid because the app lets them mostly do mostly lets them do that. But I mean, they're they're obviously running into problems, and so my job is to kind of like figure that out and figure out where to kind of go with that. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we've talked about like, you know, dealing with, you know, dealing with clients, dealing with users before where you get, you get this feedback and sometimes you go, whatever. Or sometimes the feedback can be really harsh. Like sometimes it can be kind of angry and upset and the user Mm. is like annoyed or whatever. So it's part of the reason why I take them all seriously, regardless of whether like, I mean, maybe it does hurt my feelings, but in the end, I have to try and think about things from a user's perspective as part of my job as the client, or I guess even as the project manager, wearing those hats means that I have to listen to these, you know, I have to kind of try and understand the user. And sometimes those, those situations aren't necessarily great, but it's the sort of thing where by trying to read into that, by trying to understand what's going on, you can you can make things better. You can kind of try and uh, mm-hmm. see where the user like is where the user is quote going wrong, and make it you know smooth out that path or you know remove that option or do something yeah. like do something to make sure that you know the the app continues to work and doesn't have yeah. uh, have problems. Yeah, definitely. So you, I guess, got to try and resist just telling the user, no, no, you should do it like this. Yeah. You got to try and make modifications to make it so they just discover that for themselves. Because then you've probably helped out the ninety other percent who aren't actually vocal and are just annoyed. Yeah, exactly. Um, one more point, I guess, on the user hat, and it's a quick one. It's just you have to be very careful about managing users who have never seen the app before because they are so valuable, and you run out of them very fast. Like that first impression user is like the best test because people get used to the way you know things work so they you might think you've made an improvement but it's only because they had this like preceded idea already and so you really always want fresh or at least not always like it's good to 
see if you have improved things, but you also need to test it on first time users. Yeah. And they're so hard to find. You run out of them so quickly. So yeah, just watch out for that. I'd like to try and kind of refresh my test flight mm. um, beta testers. Um, not super regularly, but you know, every few months I'll be like, yeah, okay, let's get a few more of you in here. Yeah. And I like one of the things that uh, as well that Shifty Jelly has been trying and we talked about it a little bit on a past topical episode which yep. I will uh I will link to about beta testing. They've been trying this thing with uh with their apps where they use a Slack channel, like a Slack yeah. group to talk to member. their beta testers, which is really interesting. It's actually really interesting. Like you think about it if you think about it kind of as a thing, it ends up being like these conversations that you would never like you could, you would never hear. You're like it's, it's a different situation with, uh, with my Melissa project because it just, it, I've just got emails at, at at this point. I've only got a, like yeah. emails as a feedback um, mechanism, and so you know I'll get an email and it'll be like, oh, I, I can't figure out the three D touch shortcuts. Why, what, you know, why are they like this? So it kind of becomes this like, you know, they ask me a question might respond to that question or I'll completely ignore it and like fi- just fix the problem or something like that um, and I'll deal with like I'll deal with those kind of um, things as they come but with the slack channel it's weird because like somebody will say oh I have this problem with 3d touch you know the shortcuts mm. and somebody else will be like yeah I've had that problem too and then they'll talk about it and they'll like you know have yeah. this discussion it's you like have this, this little, little riot for me like this, well it's not even <laughs> like a riot it's just like you know people will kind of uh, like people will have these discussions and suddenly you'll see kind of a clear like you'll see a clear path that was a lot more difficult to like yeah. to gain that like to gain that understanding by you know reading kind of separate separate emails that yeah, tend totally. to be yeah it's it's weird like it's actually kind of weird and kind of brilliant to get like users talking to each other which is kind of cool so i think one of the one of the final kind of thing hats that i would like to talk about mm-hmm. is the developer hat because you would think that being like writing dealing with code right uh you would just be wearing the one hat Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's the case. No, there's many hats. Yeah. And I guess it depends on how you look at your hats. You might say you have a hat per project, but there's also within each project and globally, there is many hats. So you've got a hat for like convention. So you want to be consistent across all your projects. And sometimes, you know, something will come up where you're like, oh, we should make a decision about do we put the space before or after the colon? You know, but like, but that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a hat for that style of stuff. There's a hat for how are we going to architect this entire project. So that might be across the whole team. Yep. Um, there's a hat for delegation of, you know, actual development tasks. So they're not like project manager user stories. They're the straight up who's going to write the persistence layer, that sort of stuff. And then I guess there's the hat for actually doing it. And what about when you sit down and you're dealing with you're dealing with your code? So you'll sit you sit down for a day. You can put all those other hats aside. Mm-hmm. You know, stack them up in the corner somewhere. Um, hope they don't fall over. Mm. And you just like you just kind of lose yourself in Android Studio or Xcode yep. or App Code if you feel the need. Yeah. Uh, and you just kind of you just write your code. Which a lot of people kind of, I think they just kind of tend to be like, okay, I've got this idea, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it, like, yeah, I'll just start building it. I think as like writing code, we tend to fall into the one hat of writing code, and I've talked about this a little bit before, and I think we talked I about it before ya. when when we did the like the looking forward episode at the end of last year. Like you, you tend to like just write code and write code and write code. Yeah, you're saying you're wearing the writing code hat for yep. too much time. Like yeah. the ratio between hats is wrong, and so. 
there is actually other hats that are kind of beneficial if you fish them out of mm-hmm. the cupboard and put them on. Um, things like, uh, you know, looking at the code that you've written and just looking at it. Like, just just read your code. One yeah, of the, the, things- the rubber duck hat. Yeah. It's a big rubber duck that you put on your head. <laughs> so it's it's one of these things like when you write, like let, let's say that you write an essay, write a, write a, you know, an email or something like that. Like you're writing regular English text. One of the things that you need to do is things like spell check, mm-hmm. probably do a grammar check. And some of those things are built in, but, um, you know, into word processes and stuff like that and into the operating system these days. But one of the things that I've found really good with that sort of like dealing with that sort of text is to sit down and just read it out aloud. Yeah. And I'll I'll explain why I'm going down off this kind of Jelly's English podcast mm-hmm. uh, track in, in a sec. By reading it out aloud, you get a kind of an understanding of uh, you're, you're kind of forcing your brain to slow down and think about what you're actually uh, what you're actually you know, reading, writing, whatever. And a lot of the times you'll come across really common occurrences of like weird kind of text areas that you've made. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, you've written the twice mm-hmm. or you spelt a word um, where it, you know, it's actually another, like it's spelt like another word, but you meant this word and it's just yep. like it, the spell checker doesn't pick that you've up. You've used awesome 16 times in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you've used somebody's name too much, Ben. Yes. Ben. Ben. <laughs> ben. Jelly. <laughs> Daniel. What? What? <laughs> and so, like, by reading it out loud and by thinking about it and taking that time where you're not, like, typing text into your, you know, into your word processor really quick, you're forcing yourself to think about it as a reader, as you know, somebody who's actually going to look at this text because theoretically somebody's going to read what you've written. Mm-hmm. And I think code is the same. Oh, definitely. That's why you have pull requests. And, I mean, it's hard to do that by yourself. Yeah. But you can still do it. So I think you can still do it. When you work in a team... You work on a feature, right? And then you, you're in a branch and then you make a pull request to merge it back in. It's, you know that it's going to be reviewed. Yep. So before you hit the like create button, you might look at it and look at the diff and maybe clean up some commit messages and like merge a couple if they, there's a work in progress commit or something. Um, you can do that yourself. So that you just got that. You're just missing the phase about the review. But you can still do the cleanup part thinking someone else is going to read it. And that would still be yeah, beneficial. Yeah. I mean- it's a sort of thing where I feel like going like, and I I think I've explained it before, where like if you're just writing code all the time, you're kind of defensively doing so, and by by doing that, like by just comp- continuing to write code, you'll kind of make it's it's like being a super user, like it's like using your app and trying to be a user. Yeah, you, you'll do that thing where you 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 know there's a problem there, so you'll kind of just bypass it. Or or in code, it might be like, okay, well, there's a bug coming because you know sometimes this method gets nil passed to it, and then yeah. I don't check for nil inside of it, and then that's so okay, what I'll yeah. do is I'll just go, yeah, if nil return, or you it, just it, know not to ever pass nil to it. It's yeah, like, yeah, or, it's or cool. you'll just kind of like you, so you'll kind of bypass it. Yeah. Whereas the problem might be further up the further up the kind of chain. I guess. And those sort of situations, like you write you write yourself into those sort of situations because you don't spend time reviewing. And yeah. I know it's really it's really easy for like I mean it it can be easy for teams to do because you can just be like, "Hey, can you look at this code?" Yeah. But as a as a single kind of solo developer, it's the sort of thing where you have to like force yourself to take off the writing hat and put on the reviewing hat. Definitely. And I mean, I run into this too doing I'm alone doing the Android projects mainly, so Yeah. I do have to do this. And it's a, so, so I, I guess that's kind of one of the takeaways. I think if we, you know, if we're if we're going to look at takeaways, 
I think one of the takeaways is like sometimes you have to wear like sometimes you have to force yourself to wear those hats. Yeah. Sometimes you have to like actively go out of your way to put that different hat on because you're so used to the process that you've already got of, you know, I wear this hat. Yeah. And then later on when I, you know, do this other thing, I'll wear that hat. Yeah. I think the another point as well though is be mindful of the cost of switching hats. Yeah. So don't switch hats every five minutes. Yeah. Because there's like a, you know, a speed up ramp up time, whatever you want to call it, to get into the that hat zone. So if you're switching hats every two minutes, you're never going to get anything done. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily know that it's particularly useful either to like spend a whole day wearing a particular hat because in a whole day, like a whole day is actually a really long time. Yeah, I like to switch hats, I guess, after a break. So I guess you've got four or three, I mean, obvious breaks in the day. You've got like your morning tea and your lunch and your afternoon tea. <laughs> if you're English, if you're from the US, you probably, I mean, you probably know what that means, but you don't call it that. You Whatever you call it. Second breakfast and 11sies. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got, you know, scheduled 1.30 beanbag time. That's yeah. a uh, good yeah. time to switch. Yeah. So that they make good times to switch hats because you've got a, you've got a period there of relaxing anyway, so you can come back and not have the cost of, I guess, switching. Too much yeah. of the cost. So what other takeaways do you think we can kind of take from this conversation? Don't be scared of the other hats. Yep. Like, I actually really enjoy the finance stuff. It's, I find it a good break from... I know a lot of people hate it, but I find, like, reconciling, you know, transactions to receipts and stuff quite... What's the word? Cathartic? This is one of those situations where I've automated it out of my life as much as I possibly can. So have I. Yep. It's, like, we use zero. It's really good at that sort of stuff. And so... And receipt bank. So... I literally send a photo and a machine or maybe an Amazon Mechanical Turk, I don't know how it works, reads it and fills in all the fields for me and I just go, yep, looks good. Tick, nice. tick, tick. And But I actually enjoy that. Like I like looking that they're matched up and going, another one down. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have uh, in a past life, I've written Excel spreadsheets, really complex yeah. ones for like tracking sales and uh, oh, totally. figuring out uh, finger out commissions and stuff like that. I think everyone goes to that phase. Like if you're an indie or starting a business of some sort, even a side project, you go through the spreadsheet phase. Oh, until no, I, did the spreadsheet- this, I did this at a job. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I wrote a spreadsheet when I was in retail which replaced a spreadsheet that we already had that was so bad. Yeah. And so a lot of it you had to do manually. And so I wrote this Excel spreadsheet that was like, did a lot of stuff automatically and figured out like if you put your sale, like if you took your sales in, uh, it would like figure out how much commission you're getting from this sale and that kind of sale and this kind yeah. of sale. And you, you kind of get spat out a number of these are the commissions that you've made for the for the month. Uh, I wrote that as, you know, I, kind of as part of my job. So I, I've taken that kind of into my regular life. I've written a spreadsheet to do my baths for me. My baths for me. Yeah, mm. that's very common. Yeah, A lot of people, yeah, that's like the step above just having the shoebox that you pull out at the end of the month. I, I can copy and paste my statements, my C, my CSV downloaded statements in and it will mostly work it out for me. Nice, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, so don't be scared of learning other skills. They're quite, you might find one you actually like. I really like the business hat. I like thinking about, you know, like, how are we going to grow revenue this quarter? It's fun. It's fun to sit down and just like take a complete break from coding. Think about something. Think about something else. It's still related, but it's a different skill. One of the other takeaways that I think we can from this conversation is that there are hats that you either can't wear or you don't wear. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can, like, you can wear them to a certain extent, right? You can try and think about what it is to be a user and how the user might, you know, work and stuff like that. And you can try and put yourself into situations where you're going to be kind of looking at it with somewhat fresh eyes. There are techniques for that. So, if, you know, for doing, you know, testing as if you were blind. Yeah. Turn on uh, voiceover. voiceover. And wear a blindfold. So you can't look at the screen. You have to kind of navigate. Uh, you're lost in you're lost in the app. Yeah. Another kind of like, like there are other techniques. There are libraries out there for like testing things like uh, color blindness. Color blindness. Yep. So apply those and see kind of how your app kind of can run. Um, you know, do things like uh, simple things. If you write some new like if you write a new feature. Leave it for a week and come back to it. Don't even look at it like code wise or anything. Like, if, I mean, if you possibly can, but leave it for a while. Like, you know, come back to yeah. it the next day. Try and like leave yourself periods of time where you work uh, on some other aspect of the app or some other app or some other aspect of the business and come back to it with fresh eyes. And that can kind of help. And so you can kind of do that. But I mean, don't be afraid as well of, you know, going out and finding users. It's the sort of thing where those hats are the ones that you tend to not do because they interrupt the flow of, you know, what we consider like, oh, well, I'm just not being productive yeah. if I'm like... It feels like you're not making progress. Yeah. Like if you, like the the concept of leaving something for, you know, a day, a couple of days a week, like that, that is crazy. It is absolutely nuts. But it's the only way that you can, if you don't have like people that you can go and like, you know, fresh eyes, look at this. It's one of the only ways that you can actually get that feedback by you know trying to look trying as much as you can to you know take away the your familiarity and being looking at things with fresh eyes mm. yeah yeah definitely so that's my businessy that's my businessy topic for for this week i liked it yeah it's it's one of those things where i think if you don't think about it like you don't think about it which sounds weird but if you don't mm, like if you're not that really, makes like, sense if you if you're not <laughs> like you know putting thought into it you like you you'll do these things and you'll kind of generate these habits without actually realizing that you're you're doing them and i think it's sometimes it's good to kind of step back and look at those things it's exactly like wearing a different hat yeah oh my when gosh I, it's gone meta when i uh saw that the topic was wearing different hats i thought it was going to be about have you ever done that i can never remember the name of it it's like the seven hats brainstorming technique thing ah uh, Yes. It's actually quite fun. It's a silly project manager yep. thing, but it's fun. As long as you're in the right mood for it. So you have like <laughs> a, I uh, see, I don't know any of the terms, but let's say the white hat is the go wild, go nuts hat. Yep. No idea is a bad idea. Yep. And you are not allowed to criticize. And so what tends to happen is the ideas just get more and more outlandish. And then you got to switch it up to red hat where you can now criticize and then you might cut off some ideas. And there's a whole part of other hats. It's quite fun. Mm. Give it a try sometime. Indeed. I'm not sure if there's any show notes, but if you would like to read them, you can, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can jump on the website. The website is mobilecouch.co. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ben is Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. I am Jelly Bean Soup, and the show is underscore mobile couch. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to you, to you for listening. You. Me? You know, no, you know. No, th- this person. This oh, person that's right disappointing. here. That one. I don't care about that. Can you not? <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, see, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that they're, they're listening. And I'm thankful for also our patrons because our patrons are amazing. I like them. Yeah. And I like that other person over there. That person? Yeah. Oh, that's not a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen what they leave in the fridge after lunch? Oh, man, it's gross. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been amazing. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Bye.